The awesome thing about God is not what perfection is what he seeks, but from your heart. At this time of year, you hear a lot of questions about what would you like for Christmas? And there aren't many answers. Now, children oftentimes will give you an answer what they'd like for Christmas. And they have a, a, sometimes a fairly lengthy list. We adults, for some reason, I don't know if it's because we have learned uh, to be modest in, on our requests or whatever, that we tend not to give true help to our friends and relatives what we want for Christmas. In our culture, it's interesting because you'll watch on the commercials and you will see people will give their spouse or significant other a very expensive vehicle. Or, the way our culture is, some people decide that because they think they've been very good, they buy themselves a very expensive vehicle. But we don't give, our, give each other a, a real opportunity to say, this is what I want. Um, and so, you know, you may actually want a real expensive vehicle. I wouldn't mind having a Maserati. That'd be kind of cool. I never ask anybody for it because I don't know anybody who could afford one. And even if they could, they probably wouldn't give it to me anyway. Or you may be content as the child sings, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. You know, your, your list of, of desires aren't all that large. But one of the sad things about Christmas time is that we kind of concentrate on the gifts that we give each other or the gifts that we don't get that we were hoping to get. But we seem to neglect the gifts that God gives. Now, like I said, I don't know anybody who could afford to give me a Maserati. I don't know anybody who could afford to give me a you, you name the inexpensive car, because there aren't any, but whatever that car is, they probably won't get it. But we do have a relative who's rich. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in power. He's rich in glory. He's even rich in wealth. And this relative that we call father, wants to give us some pretty amazing gifts. And what I want you to know is that all the gifts this Christmas are not necessarily under the Christmas tree, but it's certainly under a tree that we call the Old Rugged Cross. And I want to talk about a few of these gifts that you might see and say, all right, God, this is what I'd like from you for Christmas. And so the first gift that I want that, that he offers is found in Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. So our faith, which leads into salvation, 
is given to us by God. Now, I don't care if you do get the Maserati, you're not going to take it with you when you go. But a gift of salvation lasts for an eternity. And therefore, we should take a look and say, God, do I have this gift? Have you given, have I taken this gift and unwrapped it and used it because it is a gift from you, my Father? He gives us another gift. And you will find that in Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 28. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I want you to understand that God says, you get compensated for sinning. Most of us would probably do it for free. Because we, we just that's what we do. We just, we just sin. But God says, you're going to be compensated for your sin. You're going to earn wages, and that wages is going to cause you death. However, God has a gift. And Paul is so ecstatic in this gift because a gift is something you receive without compensation. It's free. But Paul, to make sure that we just get it, he goes, the free gift of God. So the gift gift of God is eternal life. Now it is awesome to be saved, but to be saved from what? That we might have eternal life. Not that we might have eternal existence, but that we have eternal life. And this gift, again, of eternal life is free. I remember when Libby and I were, uh, hadn't been married for very long, we received this uh, flyer in the mail that said that we had one possible three different gifts. All we had to do was claim one of these three gifts, was to go and listen to a sales pitch on joining a price uh, discount kind of club. Now this, tell you how long ago this was. If you, if you paid the initiation fees and the annual fees, they would give you a catalog. No, you don't go online. You don't, you know, you don't, Amazon doesn't deliver it. You get a catalog and it gives you a discount price. Now I didn't want to go because I'm the type of person who's, I don't look at a gift horse in the mouth because I never found a gift horse to begin with. But let me go, look it. There are three potential things that we win. One was like a car. Figure that was out. The other was a, and this was big back then, a 25-inch TV. And the least gift was a um, barbecue. And let me go, even if it's just a barbecue, it'll be worth it. You know, because you're looking, you know, okay, we can grill steaks or whatever. And so we go. And we go through the sales pitch. And, you know, if, if, you, don't, if you don't do it now, you know, you'll never get the chance. And, yeah, 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 can I just go? Can I just go? You know. So then you, after you've gone through the sale pitch, they, so now we're thinking, okay, we're, we're either going to get a car, a 25-inch TV, or a barbecue. It's cool, we can invite the, the family over and we can have a good time. So they look and lo and behold, we get the cheapest gift, which was a barbecue. So 
I'm waiting for them to roll it out or to put it in a big box, whatever. It was a tinfoil barbecue this big that you could use one time. That, that was wonderful. That was definitely worth the, all the time I spent to drive here, go through your, your sales pitch, and get a what, which I don't think we ever used. Now, the one, I will tell you, there was one benefit in that. Every time we got one of those sales pitches in the mail, I said, remember the barbecue? And we never had to go again, so... But not all gifts are all that great. Even though they sound wonderful. But God has offered us as a free gift, eternal life. Now the awesome thing with, with God is this eternal life isn't one that we're homeless or the wander around. That's part of what Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. And he tells us that we will dwell in his house forever. That's a pretty awesome gift. That you get to be with God in a place that he has prepared for you. But I want to talk about some more practical gifts, if you will, today. The scriptures tell us in First. Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to look verse 1 and then skip to verse 4. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So God is going to offer us spiritual gifts. And Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware of these spiritual gifts. Now, like I said, all too often we are so concerned about the gifts under the Christmas tree that we don't see the potential of gifts that God has for us. And it doesn't even have to wait till Christmas. And so he says in verse 4, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of ministries and the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So now what I want you to first understand is God has given a variety of gifts to a variety of people, to a variety of effects, to a variety of situations, but he does so for the common good. All too often, people want to receive a particular gift of, in spirituality so that they might say, I'm better than you. I can do X, I can do Y, you can't, therefore I'm more spiritual than you. That is not the purpose that God gives these gifts that he's going to list. He does so that it might be the good for all of us. Not that you might say, oh, I'm so spiritual, look what God has given to me. Now, I will tell you that if somebody gave me the Maserati, I'd probably let you know who gave it to me. But if he gave me the Maserati and said, you can only use it to Uber around the church members. Then it would have a different, if you will. It, it, was, it was given to me to be used for you so that you might have transportation. 
Now all of a sudden the, the Maserati doesn't seem quite as appealing because I'm just now a chauffeur. But God has given a number of us. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one Spirit. Now I'm going to stop there. All of these gifts I would love to have. I would also love to have, as I just stopped, the gift of healing. Because I've had too many family members and friends and members of this congregation that I would have just been able to lay my hands on and heal them. But apparently God decided not to give me that kind of gift because I don't know how to use them. Because sometimes people are, are just called home because God has chosen to call them home. And I may not know the difference. And especially as being pastor, because there are a number of times when people will come to me and say, they or their family member or a close relative or a friend has some terrible disease, cancer or something, and would I pray for them? Now, I understand most of the time when they're asking me to pray for them, it's not because they're trying to get as many people to pray for them as possible. What they're assuming is because I'm a pastor, God's somehow impressed with me. And that God will answer my prayer more than he will answer yours. So if I get the pastor on my side, obviously God will do it. And my concern for there is, you don't know me like God knows me. I don't impress them all that much. And I'm always afraid that somehow the lack of an answer to prayer that, that I pray somehow damages somebody's faith because God didn't grant it because I'm the holy guy. So I would love to be able to have the gift of healing. But you know, the gift of wisdom and the gift of the word can benefit many more people. Not everybody's sick but everybody needs the wisdom of God. Not everybody needs a healing, but everybody needs the Word of God. And to another, the effecting of miracles. Now that one, people love to, to advertise. And if you, if you send me a bunch of money, I'll pray and sweat over some shawl or whatever. And I'll send it to you for $19.95 and, and God will do a miracle. There's all these people who claim to be miracle workers. And the sad thing is I think miracle workers are too busy doing miracles to advertise that they're doing miracles. They're trying to present the gospel to those who need to hear it. And to another prophecy into another distinguishing the spirits, into another various kinds of tongues, into another in the interpretation of tongues. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but this is one of those gifts that have always kind of seemed to divide the church. Because you get those who are so concentrated on speaking in tongues 
that they forget to discuss what type of tongues is it that we're talking about. Are we talking about different languages? Are we talking about angelic aesthetic speaking? And the, the problem is, is that the church gets so wrapped up that we don't want to be branded Pentecostal. And Pentecostals will raise their hands at a moment notice and give glory to God. And we'll go, gee, if I raise my hand and give glory to God, everybody will think I'm a Pentecostal. So I sit on my hands and have my face contorted as if I'm not enjoying church at all. Because nobody wants it. We Baptists would never want to be looked at as Pentecostal. And then Pentecostals oftentimes, not all of them, but there are a significant number who, unless you speak in tongues, you just don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're not that awesome. You're not that great. Maybe we'll help you out. That's, notice when Paul started writing this, these gifts are given for the common good. Not to say I'm better than you. Not to say I'm helping But they are given that we might increase in wisdom and knowledge and faith. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He will. The determination of who gets what gift is made by God. And the Holy Spirit does so. But I want you to notice that if you'll move over uh, another um, few verses in... Um, Chapter 12, looking at uh, verse 31. It says this, But earnestly desire the greater gifts. Notice Paul doesn't say, whatever gift you get, that's cool. If you don't get a gift, that's cool too. Paul says, earnestly desire the greater gifts. Which means to tell me, it is okay to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. But make sure you do the greater ones. Now, if God gives you the lesser ones, that's cool. Because that's what God decided to give to you. But if you're going to have, you know, if you're choosing between getting a Maserati or getting a 1987 Volkswagen, I choose the Maserati. Although the 87 Volkswagen may be worth as much. I don't know but you want for something greater. God has given us permission to say, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? What do you want for every day of the year? And it's okay to want the best. We don't have to be humble and say, it's okay, God. Whatever you give me is okay. Paul's saying, earnestly desire the greater gifts. And he's going to say the same thing in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1, that we are to earnestly desire the greater gifts. And he says, but I'll show you a more excellent way. And that more excellent way is love. Because he goes, I don't care if you got the gift of tongues. You don't have love, you're just a noisy gong. 
I don't care if you have the faith to move mountains, if you don't have love, it's meaningless. So Paul says, when you ask for these gifts, make sure they are united in love. Because it's for the common good. The last verse I want to take a look at concerning gifts, and these are not all the verses, so I challenge you to to look at it some more. But our God is rich. Our God wants to give you gifts. And our God said it's okay to ask. But in James chapter 1, verse 17, he says this. If I can find it. Is this every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow? You see, God is going to give you good gifts and perfect gifts. You don't have to worry about taking it back to the store because it doesn't fit or it's the wrong color. Or it makes you look bad. He gives you the perfect gift that's right size for you. That you might use it for the common good. That you might use it to His glory and His honor. Just as on that Christmas, when the shepherds were told by the angels, Glory to God who is pleased with men and has given us the gift of salvation, has given us the gift of eternal life, has given us gifts of the Spirit. And the awesome thing is, when we give gifts, We keep waiting to see if you wear that ugly sweater we bought you. We want to see if you actually used it. God doesn't judge you on how well you use the gift. God says, did you use it for my purposes? Did you use it to make you look awesome? Or did you use it to make others understand who I am? To feel loved? To feel forgiven? To feel understood? To feel a part of a family whose father is God? And so this Christmas, I hope, and is my request, and my call to respond, is that while you've wrapped your presents, and before you unwrap the presents 
that you've received and you're watching others. That you say, God, I would really like to have this gift. That I might use it for your honor and your glory. So that God, that I can, with even more excitement, with more passion, with more desire to let people know, I'm even going to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. That he has gifts that are more awesome than any gift that we might find under the tree. And all God's people said, Amen.